Everything's inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder of Chari of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Om Aganati Manandasya Kananana Sarakya Chaksudan Militam Yanatashmai Shri Gurubayana Maha Sri Chaitanya Manavistam Sapitam Yanabhutare Today we'd like to talk about adding value to your life. A lot of young people, they reach a destination, they fulfill a dream, achieve a goal, and then that's all she wrote. They just get there, enjoy the laurels, the results, and never move any further. They earn that degree, they get that job, they buy that house, and it's pretty much the end of their story. They just coast after that, settle, Soak and then sour because they really haven't done what they were created to do. Some people call that a phenomenon in the modern age, destination disease. You get where you want to go and then you sit there, you soak there, and you sour there. Studies show that 50% of all high school graduates never read another entire book after graduation. 50%. That means they see reading as something you have to do in order to get something else, but they don't see reading as a lifelong pursuit. Or for that matter, by extension, they don't see accumulating knowledge, they don't see learning as something you do throughout your whole life. Remember school? Those of us who are no longer in school, and of course those who are in school don't have any trouble remembering school because it was just last Friday. We learn constantly, our teachers, our coaches, our parents, they taught us new things every day. But some people think that once they finish a certain level of education, I'm done, I'm finished, I've got a good job, I started, I got what I wanted to get. Well, winners, our message today is, winners in life never stop learning. God did not create you to go to one level and then stay there. Whether you're nine years old or whether you're 90 years old, you should be constantly learning, improving your skills and getting better at what you do. You have to take responsibility for your own growth. It's not automatic. So ask ourselves this question today, what steps are we taking right here and now to improve? What books are we reading? What educational videos or audios MP3s are we listening to? What courses are you taking online? What seminars? Do you have mentors? Do you have people who are further along in your interest than you from whom which you can glean information? And most importantly, are you in touch with God, the source of all creation, of all freshness, of all newness, by chanting his holy names? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Winners don't go through life coasting on what they've already learned. We all have treasure on the inside, gifts put into us by the Creator. Those gifts are not going to come out in and of themselves. It's like there might be gold underneath your feet, but it's not going to jump up into your hands. You have to excavate. You have to bring it out, develop it. Srila Prabhupada, our spiritual master, didn't come to America until he was 70. And most of his early disciples were in their 20s. And probably used to go for a morning walk to get some exercise every day. He would outwalk his 20-year-old disciples. 
He would be like the prow of a ship. He'd be out there walking physically faster than his 20-year-old disciples, but he was also ahead of them in every other way too. Even though he had a 70-year-old body, he had a, a youthful demeanor, a youthful outlook that put to shame the outlook of his 20-year-old disciples. He was always writing, speaking, thinking, opening new temples, traveling, always staying fresh and youthful inside by chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Just look at God here. Youthful, smiling, not looking older than 16 years old because he's God. What's the use of being God if you have to grow old? If there's something that can make your version of God grow old, then that's God and this is not God. What's the use of being all powerful if you have to get old? That means there's a power greater than you. I say this to the whole Western civilization that thinks God's an old guy, pretty much more or less. Duh, duh, God would never be old. He's eternal. Even if you don't believe in God, at least hypothetically, he's eternal. To be eternal means he never dies. If he's eternal, he never dies. Then guess what? He never grows old. Okay, it took like 15 seconds. God is youthful, he's young. Western society after 2,000, 3,000, still doesn't get it. Still doesn't get it. We go to church, we're all somber, we're all serious, you know. We better be careful not to be too exuberant or too excited or too animated because God might get a heart attack. God might have a nervous breakdown. And when we go to the spiritual world, we have this to look forward to. No ice cream today because God's watching his blood pressure. Keep your voices down. God's taking his afternoon nap. Hello. God is youthful, he's fresh, he loves new things, he works in seasons, and when we stay in touch with him by chanting his holy names, we also stay in touch with his freshness. I've been chanting Hare Krishna for about 50 years. I don't know whether you think this is being fresh or not, but I'm going to be doing rap music on stage next Saturday and next Sunday. I'm, the old, I'm a 76-year-old rapper. <laughs> In the Bhagavad Gita song of the Supreme, Krishna streams to his team member Arjuna, the cream of all the devotees. Arjuna, the things you do every day, the gifts you give, and every tasty veggie dish, offer me with love and see your soul enriched. A cup of water makes me smile, though I could drink an ocean. A flower, fruit, and leaf are fine if they're offered in devotion. Keeping me in the center, your karma will never interfere, because loving devotional service is the dharma of the spiritual atmosphere. I don't play any favorites. Everyone gets what they desire. So if someone longs for me and bhakti, I'm naturally inspired. Even if you mess up a time or two, I won't make any complaint. Just rise up again. You can still shine like a saint. The undiluted souls, Mahatmas, no reality and feeling my protection, the flow of their flexion comes to me. They sing my sacred names with voices sweet and stake their rightful claims at my lotus feet. I see, maintain, and shelter all. I am the seed of everything. I am everyone's best friend. I am the beginning, middle, and end. Arjuna, tell the people boldly, Krishna's devotee never dies. Men and women, high and lowly, everybody's equal in my eyes. Anybody who comes to me will never be denied. Bhakti Yoga will set you free. Success is guaranteed. Just think of me and you will live with me eternally. Can I assure you that if you chant, you'll not get stale, you'll not get stuck. The chanting brings freshness, freshness to your marriage, freshness to your family, freshness to your career, freshness in your walk with God. And incidentally, young devotee named 
Prahlad Maharaj, who was only five years old, he says, Komara Machara Pragna Dharma Bhagavan. One who is sufficiently intelligent should use the human form of body from the very beginning, even at five years old, to practice the activities of devotional service. The human body is most rarely achieved. It's not that common amongst 8,400,000 species of life that are spread throughout the universe. And although it's temporary, just like the bodies of animals and reptiles and mammals and aquatics, the human body is meaningful because in the human form of life and only in the human form of life can one perform devotional service. And even a slight amount of that devotional service is so potent that it can give one complete perfection in life. Now we have some of those 8,400,000 species of life on the property here. There's one African gray and a macaw downstairs. And they're just cute, they're loving, they're affectionate. They laugh, ha, 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 ha. They're just amazing. And they live as long as we do. But the thing is, they're about the same level of emotional development and intelligence as a three-year-old human being. It's, it's cute for a macaw, it's cute for a three-year-old human being. But the difference between the macaw and the human being is that when the macaw is 60, he'll still be like a three-year-old. But that human being who was so cute as a three-year-old, if he's still like a three-year-old when he's 60, no, that's not cute. That's probably the furthest thing from cute that you could possibly imagine. We're supposed to develop, we're supposed to mature, we're supposed to grow, we're supposed to use our talents and abilities and keep moving forward. Do you know what are the wealthiest places on earth? <laughs> You'll never guess. You might think, oh, the oil fields of the Middle East is where most of the wealth is. The diamond mines of South Africa. Can I suggest to you that the wealthiest places in the world are the cemeteries? <laughs> Why? Because buried in the ground there are businesses that were never started, books that were never written, songs that were never sung, dreams that never came to life, potential that was never released. Our encouragement today is don't go to your grave with that treasure still buried beneath you. Keep growing, keep learning every day. We should have a goal to grow in some way, to learn something new. Pablo Casals, you might know his name, especially if you're a musician, one of the greatest cellists of all time, started playing at the age of 12, and he accomplished things that no other cellist did. He was known around the world, and still is to this day, as the greatest in his field. And yet, at the age of 85, Cassell still practiced five hours a day. A reporter came up to him and asked him, why do you still put so much effort in this? He smiled and he said, I think I'm getting better at it. He understood this principle. When you stop learning, you stop growing. You stop living. So whatever you do, it's not optional. It's mandatory. Get better at it. Sharpen your skills. Don't be at the same level next year as you are now. Like the great cellist, get better. We have a responsibility, not only to God who created us, but also to our families and to ourselves to develop what he's put in us. Whether you're in sales or human resources or auto mechanics, whether you're a teacher, healthcare, you can always expand your knowledge and improve your skills. Read books to learn how to communicate. Work as a team member. Work more effectively. No matter what you do, there are people 
who have gone where you're going, trod the path that you want to tread. Search them out. Listen to what they have to say. Take some time. Turn off the TV. Invest in yourself. You should be doing something intentional and strategic every day to improve your skills. And here's a point, too. Not to be vague in your approach. Don't say, well, if I have the time, I'll do it. No, you're better than that. You've got too much in you to stay stuck where you are. Your assignment is too important. Your destiny can be too great. And here's a game some of us play. When then? You know what I'm talking about? When then? Say, God, I'm waiting on you. When you make my boss treat me better, then I'll perform better at work. When my wife shows some interest, then I'll try and restore our marriage. When those kids start making better choices, then I'll spend some quality time for them. You've got it backwards. I was running down in the indoor track at BYU a few years ago. Track team would put their workout up on a board, and every once in a while they put a motivational sentence there. I love this one. You probably heard it before. Success is when preparation meets... Anybody know? Success is when preparation meets opportunity. Is that Jai? Success is when preparation meets opportunity. You have to be proactive. You can't sit and wait for it to drop in your lap. And when God sees you doing your part and developing what he's given you, then he'll do his part to open up doors that you couldn't open up in your own. You might be tempted sometimes to say, well, true, I'm just too busy. I don't have the time to take training courses. I don't have time to read the books. I don't have time to learn things. So much pressure at work. That's the wrong attitude. It reminds me of these two lumberjacks. They were chopping down trees. One of them said, I'm going to take a break, sharpen my axe, have a cool drink of lemonade, maybe get a sandwich. So he knocked off for a couple of hours. The other guy said, no, I don't have time. I don't have time. I've got too much to do. I'm not going to take any time off. I'm just going to keep working. So the first guy went, sharpened his axe, had a sandwich, a drink, relaxed, and came back about three hours later. And in the remaining time in the afternoon, he chopped down twice as many trees as the poor guy that had kept working. So we learn from this. It's worth it to take time for yourself, to train for yourself, and to sharpen your axe so that you can then work more effortlessly and more productively in less time. doesn't matter whether you're a teacher, a carpenter, a banker, doctor, painter. Don't settle where you are. Bring honor to your creator by dovetailing what you're doing in order to honor him. Don't coast on your laurels, but stir up what God has given you get better and better and better and better at this is a call this afternoon god guided your steps here so you could hear this call to action make no mistake about it i'm listening as well god is looking for people who are prepared and taking steps to improve so that then he can trust them to a whole new level of their destiny he can make them strategic and very effective instruments in his service to take new ground for the kingdom. 
looking for those who are serious about fulfilling their desires. One such person we read about in the Mahabharata was Maharaj Yudhishthir, who was the eldest of the five Pandava brothers. They were treated very unfairly. They were kings of the world, but they were cheated of their kingdom in a game of dice and sent off into the exile for 13 years. Most people would have lost it, had a pity party. Boo-hoo, poor me, not fair. But Yudhishthir, he thought this was a great opportunity because saints and sages don't live in the cities. They live in the forests. He saw this 13 years as an opportunity to visit all the great saints and sages and hear the stories about kings and other sages and yogis for thousands and thousands of years of history. And he soaked it all in. He absorbed it. He became surcharged with knowledge because he had all these mentors and all these tutors and all these wise men. For him, it was a time out to sharpen his skills, sharpen his wisdom, so that at the end of the 13 years exile, he would become a better king than he would have been had not the exile taken place in the first place. Now, there's one incident in the Mahabharata where in exile, all five brothers are tormented by this terrible thirst. And one of them says, I'll go look for water. And he comes to this beautiful, beautiful lake. There's a heron standing in the middle of the lake. The heron says, this is, this is my lake and you can't drink the water without answering my riddles. The first brother said, ah, go, go jump in the lake. <laughs> he drank, but as soon as he drank, he fell down unconsciousness, almost as if he was dead. No sign of breathing. Second brother came, and he saw his first brother there, and he said, I'll breathe after I have a drink. So thirsty. The heron told the same thing. He brushed it off, took a drink. All four brothers came, drank against the advice of the heron, they were all lying there, still unconscious, when Yudhishthir arrived at the scene. Yudhishthir came late, so you can imagine he was even more thirsty than the first four that arrived. The first one had seen one brother down, and the other had seen two brothers, and the other had three. He sees all four of his brothers down as if they were lifeless. So who wouldn't become overcome either by grief or by thirst? And yet... When the heron asked him to answer his riddles, Yudhisthira thought, something's up here. This is one of those tests in life. It looks bad, but you can't always go by looks. Are. God is ultimately in control, and nothing happens without God's will. Let me just hold it together and see what happens, see what God has in mind. And after all, I've been soaking up knowledge and wisdom for so many years, this is going to be a good opportunity to use it. It's a long, long dialogue, just brilliant. But I just took four questions and four answers. Do I have your permission? The first question the heron asked is, what's heavier than earth, higher than the heavens, faster than the wind, and more numerous than straws? And Yudhisthira, based on the lore that he had invited, he said, one's mother is heavier than the earth, one's father is higher than the mountains, the mind is faster than the wind, and our worries are more numerous than straws. Next, the heron asked, who is the friend of the traveler? Who is the friend of one who stays at home? Who is the friend of one who's sick? And who is the friend of one who's dying? Yudhisthira said, the friend of the traveler is his companion. The friend at home is the mother. Healing herbs are the friend of one who's sick, and the friend of one who's dying is piety righteousness. The good deeds he's done during life are the only things that he can take with him after death. Third question is, 
What is that which one renounce makes one lovable? What is that which one renounce makes one healthy and happy? Eudistere said pride, if renounce, makes one lovable. By renouncing desires, one becomes wealthy, and to renounce greed is to attain happiness. Then the yaksa asked, what is the most amazing thing? And here's Yudhisthira's answer. The most amazing thing that I've learned in my time on earth is that even though every second, thousands and thousands of living entities are rushing in rivers to the abode of the Lord of Death, Yamaraj, every one of us is left thinks, well, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> that's them. My grandfather died, my great-grandfather died, my father died, my mother died, but somewhere or other, there'll be an exception made of me. And I lied to you. I said I would give you four. I've got one more. The, the heron asked this question, what is the real situation in this material world? And remember, this is a guy that hasn't been sitting watching TV for 13 years. He's been getting the straight sauce from the seers of the truth. Yudhisthira says, based on what he's learned, this material world is like a frying pan. The sun is the fire. The days and nights are the fuel. The passing seasons are the stirring ladle. And time is the cook. All living beings are thus being fried in this pan. This is the real news of what is happening in this material world. We are all fried. At this point, the heron revealed his real form. He was none other than Yamaraj, Yudhisthira's own father, the Lord of Justice. He was very pleased that Yudhisthira had held back grief, that held back thirst, in order for the pursuit of knowledge, the exchange between the student and the mentor, he recognized that he was a very special person after God's own heart, and he blessed him. What was once a few minutes prior looked like a hopeless, world-ending situation, now Dharmaraj gives his son a number of significant blessings which turn their whole desperate situation around. First is he brought all of Yudhisthira's brothers back to life. Second, he said, please drink <laughs> as much as you like. Swim in it, shower in it, take some home. Then he knew that one of the conditions of the Pandavas living 13 years in exile was in the 13th year, they would have to live unrecognized. If anybody recognized them, then they would go into exile for another 13 years. And they're easy to recognize. They're a big, powerful, noble. There were no five personalities so resplendent on the whole earth as these five. But the Yachi said, I give you the benediction. If you go to Matsu Kingdom and apply in various capacities to King Virat, he will hire you and nobody will recognize you. That came to be. They went to the Kingdom of Virat. Bhima, who had the strength of 10,000 elephants and was a voracious eater, he got the job as a cook. Nakula took care of the horses. Sahadev took care of the cows. Arjuna became a dancing master for young daughters. And as soon as King Bharat saw the nobility of Yudhisthira, 
This is a man who doesn't get stuck, who doesn't stay still. He's open, he's fresh, he's looking for new things, new discoveries. He, King Barat said, I want you right by my side. I want you as my constant companion. They just walked in out of the desert and applied for these jobs. And within a year, Yudhisthira was running the whole kingdom. He was entrusted by Bharat with all the responsibilities of running the kingdom. It reminds me of that saying that cream rises to the top. And God is of such a nature that he's always looking for such type people to promote. He doesn't just randomly close his eyes and say, you won the lottery, it's your lucky day. No, he looks for people who have developed their skills. When we read about Prabhupada, our spiritual master, establishing a worldwide international society for Krishna consciousness, which currently has 800 branches, at the ripe old age of 70, we wonder how an elderly man can do what he did. And the answer is, he did his part, and Krishna took him places where no man has gone before. Prabhupada came in the age of 70 in 1965, and he passed away at the age of 82 in 1977. During those years, an old man circled the world 14 times in 13 years. It might be fun for us young kids to do a bit of traveling now and then, but traveling as an old man, that much traveling, not, not fun at all, not fun at all. While traveling, he established 108 centers. He initiated 5,400 students, and the condition was no illicit sex, no gambling, no intoxication, no meeting and chant Hare Krishna about an hour and a half a day on your beads. He wrote 5,000 letters, most of them by hand, to his disciples all over the world. He gave 3,000 lectures, and he translated and saw published and distributed 80 books. So he did his part, and Krishna did his part too. Those seeds that Prabhupada planted have sprung unbelievably. And that's why Krishna chose Prabhupada above younger men, more complacent men, more blessed men, more gifted men, because whatever Prabhupada he used 100% in the service of Krishna. And that's why Prabhupada went to a level above and beyond any others. And this is our message today. Your skills need to be developed. You need to spend time every day learning, growing, improving. Prepare yourself for those newer and newer levels that God has in mind for you. Some of us might be in lower positions. We might be overqualified for the position that we have, overeducated for where we are, in a position that seems insignificant, menial. You know you have so much more in you. At that time, it would be easy to slack off and just say, eh, there's no future here. Why should I put any effort into this dead-end job? I'll prepare as soon as I get out of this place. I'll prepare when some good breaks come my way or when the boss recognizes my brilliance and promotes me. Maybe then I'll take some courses. Maybe then I'll lose a few pounds, have a better attitude, buy some new clothes. Well, that's backwards. You have to start improving right now where you are. Bloom where you are planted. Start sharpening your skills while you're waiting. Study your manager's work habits. Study your best supervisor. Learn how to do their jobs. Be prepared to step into those shoes. It is said by scripture that a man's gifts make room for him. If no doors are opening at 
present. Don't be discouraged. Just keep on improving your skills, developing your talents. You might feel that you're stuck where you are. You might feel that that supervisor is not going to move on anytime soon. But can I tell you, if you outgrow him, if you outperform him, if you outproduce him, if you know more than him, your gifts will make room for you. Somehow, some or other, some way, God will open a door and get you to where he wants you to be. Don't worry about who is ahead of you or when your time will come. Just keep growing, keep learning and preparing. When you're ready, the right doors will open. The fact is that Krishna may not want you to have your supervisor's position. That may be too low for you. He may want to thrust you right past your boss, put you at a whole new level. I've heard about lots of receptionists who went from answering the phones to running multi-million dollar companies. You can, you will if you develop what's in you and go further than you can ever imagine. Here's a statement, you might have heard it before. Your talent is God's gift to you. How you use it is your gift back to God. So are you doing that or are you coasting, being comfortable? not having learned anything recently. Our message is you have so much more in you. Studies show that the average person only uses 11% of the brain. That's a ceiling of 89% of potential that you could be taking advantage of. So light a fire, shake off complacency, sharpen your skills. I read an article recently about the risk of getting laid off from your job. There are three things that employers look for in determining who doesn't get laid off. First is they look for those with positive attitudes. They look for those with flexibility. And guess what? They look for those that are open to learning and improving. Be a winner. You have to develop your skills to the point where your company can't do without you. Your bosses don't know how to run things when they don't have you to ask your advice. Now, if you're out of work for a week, nobody misses you. Sales are just as good. All the work gets done. Well, that's okay if you happen to be the owner of the company. But if you're an employee, it should be an alarm bell going off right there. If you're not being missed, then... Probably it's also true that you're not being needed as well. If that's the case, you need to kick it into a new gear. Produce more than you've been producing. We have treasure in ourselves. The talent and skill that we have needs to come out where it can be noticed. Scripture says, do you see a person skilled in their work? They will stand before kings and great men. Keep sharpening your skills. Cream always rises to the top. You should be so productive, so filled with wisdom that no matter where you are, like you to steer, you'll end up running that corporation, running that company. But don't come down with destination disease. Break out of the box. Learn things new. Will Rogers, the American comedian, he said, even if you're on the right track, if you just sit there, eventually you're going to get run over. And when you study and when you learn and when you use your time profitably, Some people may call you a bookworm. Some people may call you a geek, or some people may call you a nerd. 
But don't worry about those names because in a few years, those same people are going to be calling you the boss, the CEO, the president, the senator, the pastor. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. Are you surprised after everything we've said to learn that Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, and Harvey Firestone had summer homes right next to each other in Florida? They knew this principle that who you associate with makes a difference in how far you go in life. If your friends are Curly, Larry, and Mo, you may have fun, but you're not going anywhere. It is said in scripture, we should redeem the time. Time is a gift. God's given us 86,400 seconds in every day. You're not being responsible with what Krishna or God gave you if you're hanging out with time wasters who have no goals and no dreams. We have a destiny to fulfill. God has amazing things in our future and it's critical that on the way we surround ourselves with people who inspire us, people who challenge us. If you're the smartest one in your group, then your group is too small or you need to get another group. Don't be around people who know more than you without taking advantage of them. Don't be intimidated by them. Be inspired by them. One last example. We're finished then. If you take the seed of an oak tree and put in a little five-gallon pot, that tree's never going to grow to the size that it was meant to be. Why? Nothing wrong with the seed, nothing wrong with the soil, but it's restricted by the smallness of the pot. In the same way, Krishna has embedded us with the ability to do great things in life, talent, skills, aptitudes, but the key is not to be restricted by your environment. Your friends may be small-minded, holding you back. The people you hang around with, negative, dragging you down, nitpickers, gossips, Complainers, critics, you need to get out of that small environment, out of that little pot, because God intends for us to soar. It's fine, of course, to help people in need, but you don't spend all your time with them. What we need, what is nourishment for the soul, and what activates God in our life are talented, smart people in our lives. Winners who are further along than us and who can inspire and challenge us to rise higher. And when you take this kind of responsibility for your growth, believe me, God will honor your efforts. Promotion, good breaks, businesses, books, and divine connections are in your future. Now you have to take the time to prepare, not to get caught with complacency and inertia. Treasure is in you, waiting to be developed. Redeem the time. Make a decision to grow in some way every day. If you keep sharpening your skills, getting better, Krishna promises you your gifts will make room for you. Like with Prabhupada, like with Yudhisthira, and like with so many of the heroes of faith throughout history, because you're going to be prepared. I believe that Krishna is going to thrust you into the fullness of your destiny in this life and next life. You'll go back to home, back to God. If any of that sounds good to you, just raise your arms along with me. Say it together. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama.
Thank you.